Hi, I'm Jason Nichols, and I'm on the left. And I'm Vince Colonnese, and I'm on the right. And, and if, if we, we can't, can't find, find common, common ground, ground in this world, world today, today, then we're all just travelers. Passing each other in an international airport. And this great American experiment will be relegated to the trash bin of history. So let's come together to debate without yelling. And, and let's, let's save, save this, this nation. nation. Murder of Ahmad Arbery. And was Trump right about statues? It's Vincent Jason save the nation. For real, all life matters. All life. Yes. Not just black children. We don't want to see nobody go through this. Are we going to take down statues to George Washington? How about Thomas Jefferson? What do you think of Thomas Jefferson? You like him? Don't, don't tense up, man. Don't tense up, man. Where are you going? Vincent Jason Save the Nation is brought to you by Goldco. Happy Turkey Day, turkeys. We are back. Vincent Jason Save the Nation. Uh, we got a lot going on. What's going on, Vince? Well, Jason, while we were gone, we got the verdict in the trial of the shooting death of Ahmad Arbery. Uh, three men in that case, Greg McMichael, 65, Travis McMichael, 35, and a neighbor of theirs known as William Roddy Bryan, 52 years old, uh, all found guilty of murdering Ahmad Arbery. We know the basic details. They chased him down in their trucks and they shot him. And that uh, jury in Georgia found them guilty. Here's the reaction uh, from Ahmad Arbery's father speaking after the verdict. For real, all life matters. All life. Yes. Not just black children. We don't want to see nobody go through this. Amen. I don't want to see no daddy watch their kid get left and shot down like that. That's right, Ma. So it's all our problem. It's all our problem. So, hey, let's keep fighting. Let's keep doing it and making this place a better place for all human beings. Amen. All human beings. Amen. Everybody. Love everybody. All human beings need to be treated equally. Uh, a message of unity from uh, Mr. Arbery in the wake of the verdict about the loss of the life of his son uh, murdered there in Georgia. Jason, what do you think of the outcome here? Well, I, I think, um, well, first of all, um, I think that he is right, that, uh, that Mr. Arbery is right. All, all human lives have value. Um, but the, the reality of it is that um, all human lives don't get chased down the way Ahmad Arbery did, uh, not in that situation. And, all, and many, you know, of course, we know now, according to the Georgia Bureau of Investigations, Roddy Bryant, or Roddy Bryan, I'm sorry, said, uh, you know, that Travis McMichael called Ahmad Arbery an effing N-word. Uh, all human lives don't get called that, um, mm -hmm. only some. And so uh, I agree that nobody should have to go through that. Nobody should have to deal with what the Arbery family did. Right. Uh, and, and also the Cooper Jones family, which is his mother's, I think her, her last name is Cooper Jones. Uh, and it seemed as though Ahmad was, was close to his, his mother. I think when he went out running, he had told his mother. So uh, my, my assumption is that he was he lived with his mother. Uh, not 100% sure about that, but um, I believe he lived with his mother. I mean, it, it's, it's a tragic situation. Um, so, uh, and, you know, I think one of the things that we have to remember is that this trial, while it was a good outcome, and I've heard a lot of people say, hey, the justice system works, the justice system will punish people who kill people. Um, I think we have to remember also that um, this trial almost didn't happen. Um, I wanna say her name is Jackie Johnson. 
if I'm not mistaken, if you can fact check me there. We're talking about the district attorney down in Georgia. Yes, the district attorney in Glynn County, who now had to be criminally charged because she had a relationship with the McMichaels and was not going to. That's why it took them 10 weeks to actually charge the McMichaels with murder. And had this video not been leaked, Ahmaud Arbery would have just been another dead man in the street. So this was, uh, you know, serendipity of, of sorts that this video came out, that eventually they were finally charged um, and they didn't just get away with chasing mm -hmm. a man down mm -hmm. that they thought did not belong in their neighborhood, that they did not witness commit any crime and engage him with guns and kill him and trap mm -hmm. trap him with their with their vehicles um and kill him right um and i think you know to go to the the all about every human life uh one thing that we know at least in the united states of america is that you have civil liberties people can't you know come and stop you and you know and, and search you or do whatever it is that they were planning to do or arrest uh -huh. you when they haven't seen you commit any kind of a crime. Right. Um, and that's the case uh, with Ahmad Arbery was that the McMichaels and Roddy Bryan did not see him commit any kind of crime. Right. Um, they just saw him. And anyone who tries to make this not about race, you know, what was it about Ahmad Arbery that made him stand out in that particular community? Mm -hmm. You know, um, and I think, you know, I, I think I found this quote from, you know, the family's attorney that I think uh, lays it out pretty clear. And, you know, I, well, before I even go to that, I, I do want to say one other thing, and that is that, you know, the jury, the composition of the jury um, was 11 uh, white jurors, one black juror three alternates, all of them white. Mm -hmm. Glynn County is 27% black. Mm -hmm. Now, also, the, count, the, uh, the composition in terms of male, female, nine white women on that jury. So I, the reason I bring that up is to talk a little bit about the strategy of the defense. They really did not have a leg to stand on legally. There was there was literally nothing, you know, that they had. These men were guilty of sin. There was no way around it. But what they tried to do was demonize Ahmad Arbery and use fa fear tactics. Even the woman who made the comment about him running with no socks and having dirty, dirty toes, dirty toenails, um, them always injecting race. And the prosecution stayed away from race, even though the McMichaels had called Ahmad Arbery by a racial epithet. Why? Because they realized that if they made this racial or seemed political, then they could get an acquittal. And that's terrifying that they couldn't even inject something that was, I think, germane to the case, you know, that they had to stay away from it. It's possible. And say, you know, we're just going to go on this particular evidence. And they were trying to scare the jury. But here's this guy's thing. running through your neighborhood. What, yeah. what, how would you feel about that? Here's the thing, though. Like, I, I think there's a lot of people with egg on their face right now who were inappropriately uh, making racial assumptions about the jury 
when it came to what the outcome of this case could be. Uh, and like, oh, they're going to he's going to get off. There's 11 white jurors, only one black juror, as if the color of their skin was going to dictate the outcome of the right of the uh, of the case, which I think is is very dangerous. And I think a lot of people should be issuing apologies now. No, I don't think anybody did that, like though, that. Vince. I mean, come on. You see it all over the place. How many pieces have you seen where people, people were skeptical? Wait, that, well, I mean, many, wait one second. Wait, let me just let me make a couple points here. How many pieces have you seen in the press? How many commentators have you seen? Who made a big deal about the racial composition of the jury as if that was determinative a lot but that and was important vince why why was it because important? because it's 27 percent black in that area but who cares and there's no black jurors and they eliminated these uh, all these potential black people on a jury for a reason what that's what, what a, people were saying would, would a mostly black jury have come up with a different outcome on the basis of their skin no but it would have been more representative of the community Glynn County is 27% black. And you think that the defense, that they eliminated jurors and made a jury with only one black person, you think that that was just, as a matter of fact, the judge, this isn't stuff that people right. are making up. The judge said it. The judge yeah, and said I think that there was racial discrimination in the selection. I think those assumptions are juvenile. And, and, and what I mean by that is, not it, like I, I don't disagree. I'm sure the defense thought in their head, well, maybe the racial composition will work to our advantage. And that's and all I, and anybody's I that, ever said. And I, and I know that the judge um, had that criticism. That said, I think that there's this there's this hang up around race that's not reflective of reality. Like people when presented, I think by and large, with exceptions, people like the McMichaels are the exception here. But the but the rule in America is that people are fundamentally decent if they're pulled into a jury. They're going to assess the facts as they're presented, especially if the lawyers can make a good case in front of them. They'll be given jury instructions on what the law are, and they have to render a verdict. And hopefully that's done without any outside pressure, that you've got a jury that can assess these situations. So what I'm looking at is two highly publicized cases over the course of the past few weeks. And in both cases, all but one of the jurors was Black. And in both cases, the media made sorry, excuse me, all but one of the jurors was white or not black, I guess I should say. One, one black juror in both cases, the Rittenhouse case and the case of the McMichaels and, and this guy, Roddy Bryan. And in both cases, the media made a huge deal out of the racial composition of the jury. And in both cases, I think you and I both agree based on how we saw from the outside mm -hmm. is that the juries came to the right conclusion and their skin color was irrelevant to that fact. And I just think that it's, it's a moment where we should reflect on it and like be like, that's a that's a fantastic thing. That's and it's another sign that maybe all of the concern trolling about the racial composition of a jury is counterproductive and not not a useful exercise of of analysis. It's like I don't know what any you know. It's not. It, so, it comes down to, do they have critical thinking skills? Yes or no. That's really the only question that matters. So first of all. For anyone who thinks that you don't, that people didn't have the right to be skeptical. Now, the Rittenhouse case was completely different. Kenosha is 7% Black. So that was a jury of his peers. <laughs> like that was the composition of Kenosha is 7% Black. So having one Black juror makes sense. Or, or you know, in some cases, you know, maybe not even having a Black juror. No, no, I don't made think it sense. does. I don't think it does. Now, now hold on. Hold on, okay. I'll let okay. you speak. Okay. Um, now, in, in many other cases, Philando Castile, 
you know, um, Ayanna Stanley Jones, where you've had video evidence where people could see what occurred. All of a sudden, when you have, you know, particularly a certain composition of a jury, people seem to walk. So even with video, people, you know, the reliance on video a lot of times is, is not reliable. A lot of times that does not determine the outcome. And a lot of times you don't even get a trial, which was almost the case with Ahmad Arbery. Mm -hmm. So this idea that, oh, everything's okay. We're fundamentally decent. Oh, no, no, you know, well, the prosecutor there's no racial, there's no racial issue. The, the prosecution was, a, was afraid to even bring race into it. They're being charged when race because was they're in corrupt. There. No, I'm, but you mentioned Jackie Johnson. Jackie Johnson is being charged for the corruption involved in this. Case. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's, and she deserves to be. But this is one situation where it works. And I'm, and I'm glad that it worked in this situation. But as I said, with all the statistics that I've given you over the many weeks that we've done this show mm -hmm. about the, you know, an innocent black man versus an innocent white man, seven times more likely with a murder, 12 times more likely with a, uh, to be convicted with a uh, drug offense, three and a half more times more li likely to be convicted when it comes to a uh, sexual assault. All of those statistics, and then people just want to put blinders on. Blinders should be on justice, but it shouldn't be on our communities. Like we have to acknowledge that there, there are issues and there are reasons to be skeptical and we should celebrate when it works. But to say, oh yeah, it doesn't matter. Now, here's know. the thing though, you mentioned the, comp the percentage composition, right? So if we were to say, okay, you know, Glen County, Georgia, what is it, 29% black you said? Yeah, 27. 27% um, black or, or, in, or in Rittenhouse's case, Kenosha, you know, you know, in the single digits percent black. When you said before that, like, okay, if there's one black juror on the Kenosha case, that's kind of representative of the community. I don't agree. Here's what I, here's what I think the answer okay. should be. If he had 12 black jurors from Kenosha, Wisconsin, it would be representative of the community. You understand what I'm saying? Like, in other words, these are members of the community. The, the skin color of the juror themselves is irrelevant to whether or not they can assess fairly the facts in the case. So are there Black people who would make moronic decisions when presented with evidence? Yes. Are there white people who would make moronic decisions when presented with evidence? Yes. That That's not skin color dependent. This, I guess this is the point I'm making. It's that when, when we talk about a jury of your peers from your community, that their skin color should be irrelevant. I, I, am I, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills only because, not because I'm just having this conversation with you, but I think broadly on a society level, there's this thought that the only way we ever have achieved um, equality or, or equity or whatever word you'd like to use in this case is if every institution has equal percentages to the community of this particular skin color. You see what I'm saying? And yes, but that's that's not what I'm that's not what I'm saying. Okay. At all. Okay. So what I'm saying is that there was an effort to avoid having any black people on that jury. There's a reason why that was done. And here's here's the issue. So we have a guy named Roddy Bryan. Mm -hmm. Whenever I hear the name Roddy Bryan, it reminds me of another name. And the other the other name is Roy Bryant. 
Do you know who Roy Bryant is? No. Roy Bryant was one of the men who killed Emmett Till. Mm -hmm. Do you know who Emmett Till is? Yes. So Roy Bryant was tried by an all-white, all-male jury. Now, do you think that that had anything to do with the outcome of the fact that he and J.W. Milam, the other man who was involved in that and, and murdered Emmett Till, do mm -hmm. you think that the composition of that jury, which was not representative of the demographics of, of Money Mississippi? Yes, but... Do you think that that played a role? So that's my point. Yes, but this is an essential element to this, actually, that that's sort of the subtext of what I'm talking about, which is what, what year was Emmett Till killed? It was 1955. 50s, right? Mm -hmm. And so a 1950s Mississippi jury, I, I realize that we're talking about, what, 72, 71 years, set, we're going into 72 years. I, I just think that it's meaningful that we acknowledge that things have changed in a very meaningful way sure. since that time in the United States of America. Now, is everything perfect? No. Is there still actual racism? Totally. It absolutely exists. But the extent to which it exists and the extent to which it is rigging the system, I think is dramatically overstated by the media and not reflective of reality. And so I... So when we, all I'm saying is like, use a case like this, the Arbery trial, and then of course the Rittenhouse trial, just because the compositions are exactly the same in terms of the number of black jurors who were present. In both cases, the jury came up with the correct verdict. And I think that's, and this is in, in disparate portions of the country, Wisconsin and Georgia. And I think that's, a, that's the kind of thing that we should welcome with open arms. Like, good, it's a, it's a sign of America heading in the right direction on these questions. So I think um, one of the things that's changed is that they allow black people on juries now. And so my thing is that uh, we should be aware of juries that seem like they're out of balance. And it seems like people are trying to get a particular outcome with, with the jury that they have. Um, I think it's, I will say, you know, I've never been one to deny the progress that we've made. I do also think, you know, it, it is important. We've made a lot of progress in a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. Pretty sure that um, Joe Biden, for example, is about the same age as Emmett Till would be. Emmett Till would be, I think Emmett Till was born 1939, I believe. I have to look, but um, Joe Biden was born in 1942. So they're roughly the same age. Um, so that just tells you a little bit that Joe Biden is still working, uh, still a working American. Uh, and he's the same age as Emma Tills. That should tell you a little bit about how this wasn't that long ago. Uh, same thing with, you know, I always bring up, uh, you know, uh, Ruby Bridges, mm -hmm. who desegregated um, she desegregated the schools in New Orleans. Ruby Bridges is 67 years old, just had mm -hmm. her 67th birthday. Mm -hmm. She's barely collecting social security. Yeah. Like she's a young woman. She looks young. If you see her, she looks, you know, black don't crack, I guess, because she looks, she still looks like a young woman. 
-hmm. like a young, vibrant woman. So I think it's important for us to realize that these times weren't that long ago. Mm -hmm. Acknowledge the progress we've made. For sure. But, but also at the same time, recognize like, you know, whenever you've made progress, you don't want to slip back into the same kinds of things in the past. And I do think that we need to acknowledge anyone who just tries to make it as, as though there is, you know, there are no racial issues. We should just ignore race, ignore it. You know, that is a recipe for disaster moving forward. We have to acknowledge that Yes, we've solved a lot of the a lot of the issues from our past, but we haven't solved all of them. Right. And, and it can get worse. Again, this is one of the things that I agree. You know, you want to talk about the Jewish community. One of the mottos that I, I always grew up with because I had a lot of Jewish friends. Yeah. Is never forget. Mm -hmm. If you know, if you know anybody, I, I knew people whose grandparents literally had numbers tattooed on their forearms. Mm -hmm. And it was never never forget but for some reason when it comes to black people in this country and native americans everyone says forget it's not an issue just forget it you know what i mean i don't think you would ever tell that to a jewish person maybe you would i, I, don't, I don't know i wouldn't the, i don't know who the constituency is for for saying that though like i don't and i don't even know who's really responsible for that movement like forget our history like i the, the problem in our country is that right now we have too many people who are trying to reinvent history whole cloth, like, mm -hmm. or, or literally tear down statues. And I, I mean, honestly, it's, it's gotten, it's gotten like Chinese cultural revolution level yeah. where you're not allowed to remember the past of the country in, in, in its totality. And it's, and so that that's been insane. And so, yeah, I guess the point that I'm making is that like, yeah, there, there's a, there's, I think there's a, there's, I'll just plan, state it plainly. It feels to me that there's a movement on the left to constantly be reinventing American history rather than to telling it, telling in its totality. Mm -hmm. And I, I think our obligation is to recognize history in its entirety. I mean, so again, so you're not doomed to repeat it. Um, I, it's just like, I just feel like we're in a dangerous place right now with um, like, you know, we're, I, we're about to, let me, let me, maybe this is a good opportunity for us to jump into our next video because uh, the Thomas Jefferson statue was just torn down at city hall, taken down at city hall by New York. Now they, they, they decided to remove it. I guess they're putting it in a museum or something. Take a look at this first. Um, and uh, then I want to get your reaction. For 187 years, this likeness of Thomas Jefferson has been proudly displayed in City Hall. Founding father, diplomat, polymath, towering figure, and the third president of the United States. Some council members had objected to its presence because of Jefferson's history as a slave owner. The statue was donated to the city in 1834, commissioned by a U.S. Navy Commodore to honor Jefferson's commitment to religious freedom. So will George Washington now lose his status? Are we gonna take down Excuse me. Are we going to take down? Are we going to take down statues to George Washington? How about Thomas Jefferson? What do you think of Thomas Jefferson? You like him? Okay, good. Are we going to take down the statue? Because he was a major slave owner. Now we're going to take down his statue. Okay. Well, I'll tell you where it stops. Somewhere. 
Anytime someone asks, where does it stop? The answer is always, fucking somewhere. <laughs> you might let your kid have Twizzlers, but not inject black tar heroin. <laughs> you, don't, you don't just go, well, after the Twizzlers, where does it stop? All right. So uh, that was a kind of a composition, of course, of the fact that, you know, City Hall's now removed the Thomas Jefferson statue and a look back at Donald Trump saying, hey, are, are, it seems like we're tearing down statues all over the place. Are we going to tear down George Washington? Are we going to tear down Thomas Jefferson? And sure enough, you see that happening uh, in New York. Uh, John Oliver, that was a contemporaneous yeah. um, segment that he did on Donald Trump at the time, suggesting that um, th there will be limits. This is not a meaningful slippery slope. You know, stop, stop being concerned about, I think at the time it was Confederate statues that Trump was talking about being torn down. Like, no, it, it won't go too far. But Jason, has it gone too far? So you, you pretty much know my position on statues. <laughs> like, I, I actually don't think we should venerate human beings. I think we venerate ideas and concepts. You know what I mean? Uh, put up a plaque um, to the founding of our country. You know what I mean? To our constitution. Uh, but I don't, which, which is a living, breathing document that actually has changed over time. Um, it wasn't perfect when Thomas Jefferson signed it, or, you know, was, was part of it. And when, you know, John Adams and John Hancock and Ben Franklin, that like, it is, it is literally changed over time. Yes. And that's the beauty of our constitution is that it's a living, breathing document. It can be amended. It can be amended. It's been amended 27 times. Mm -hmm. So that's a, that's a beautiful thing to, to recognize that they didn't have it right at the very beginning. Right. You know what I mean? Right. They didn't foresee everything. Um, and so for me, with statues, every human being has some things in their, you know, in their closet. And I think we, we talked about this in one of our interviews with one of the, the interviews that we did. I think it was with VDH where, mm -hmm. you know, he talked about Dr. King and his history with women. Um, yeah, Dr. King was a womanizer. That, that's a fact, you know what I mean? Um, now, I don't think that negates a lot of the great things that Dr. King did. Right. Um, but if someone said, do we need a statue of Dr. King rather than a statue or, so, or something devoted to the civil rights movement, I'd probably go with the latter, to be honest. I don't need a statue of Dr. King because I think in a lot of ways that obscures a lot of the principles because people like to take Dr. King's quotes out of, out of uh, context and, you know, bastardize but, his image and all of that. But these and I people, think we should, we should devote it to the principles rather than to the human being. But these people are, in, are embodiments of the best values that they projected while they were living, or they should be anyway. So, like, it is useful. It's always very useful, I think. The statute is a, in a useful way to convey, okay, this is an important person. Why is that person important? Because of these ideas. And so I, I think it better encapsulates, and by the way, it's been done throughout human history. There's this impulse to sure. sort of, like, you know, build build these statues. And they've and been honor, torn down throughout human history. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. And it's, it's been that's very not destructive. Vast yeah. amounts of history have been lost by destruction. Yeah. Um, but, I mean... But so, you know, Saddam Hussein, his statue got torn down. Yeah, by now, the United States. Like there, there are all kinds of things I think that are, but, but by the Iraqi people, 
you know, the, when the United States came in, I well, believe we, it was torn down by the Iraqi people. It was right? our, remember, we hooked the chains up to it and draped an American flag over his head and then yanked it down. That was like- Oh, whole, that was, okay. I, I stand corrected. I thought it was, maybe I was believing the American propaganda that it was the Iraqi <laughs> people that were just so happy we were there. Let me, let me just because we're on it, the, uh, uh, I, I remember this moment. I remember watching it on television. You remember that? Yeah, I, I was with one of my friends who was in the military at the time, not deployed. He was in the Air Force. And we were debating about the Iraq war. And I was against it at the time. It was destroyed. OK, we're both right. It was destroyed by Iraqi civilians and U.S. soldiers. Um, and uh, a, they, apparently a retrospective analysis by the ProPublica and the New Yorker had concluded that the media had exaggerated both the size and the enthusiasm of the crowd. Uh, and, uh, at any rate, but, yeah. so, but yeah, no, that was, that was right. There was a, and the American flag placed over his head at one point, the whole thing was, uh, was wild to see, but yeah. anyway, I, I guess, you know, my point is like, there's all sorts of like really important people that, uh, are worth commemorating. I love the monuments in DC. Um, you know, we get to be near them. I proposed to my wife actually at the Jefferson Memorial because it's such a beautiful spot right. uh, there. And, um, you know, Thomas Jefferson is somebody worth remembering. His ideas are worth remembering. He's, uh, he's a complicated figure for sure, but um, he was very important to one of history's greatest experiments in democratic governance, which is the United States of America. The Declaration of Independence itself is an incredible document. Um, it, mm -hmm. Its original writing on the issue of slavery and did include passages referring to the cruel war against human nature itself. It was considered one of the, the uh, indictments against the British crown that they wanted to, that Thomas Jefferson wanted to include in the declaration. He was urged to remove it uh, in an effort to hold the colonies together in this effort to declare independence. So it had that shortcoming. The constitution itself uh, continued to perpetuate slavery, which naturally had that shortcoming until it was amended out. Um, and, you know, and you think about a guy like, you know, Frederick Douglass, who escapes from Maryland, mm -hmm. makes his way north and gets on this, first of all, brave as hell, he gets on the speaking circuit before he's ever like truly a free man. He's like at, at any moment can be captured. Uh, and he's like, screw it. I'm going to keep speaking. I'm going to tell my whole story. And it wasn't until some Quakers got together, they gathered the money and bought his freedom that he really was able to open up. But in the process, you know, think about Frederick Douglass's life. Here's a guy who starts kind of as um, opposed to the founding documents and the founding fathers. He wants to tear down the whole system and recreate it. Uh, and then eventually his, his thinking on that changes. Then he's like, you know what, we've, we've got a great legacy. The words are right. You know, this, and, and you hear Frederick Douglass say this in the, uh, I'm sure you know the name of the speech better than I do. To what, um, basically his Independence Day speech. Yeah, it's um, July 4th, yeah. Yeah, to what to the slave is is, uh, the is the is your declaration of independence. And if you read that speech, and I encourage everyone to do it, you go through it, what you do is he's recognized the humanity in those documents and the, and the promise that's unfulfilled in those documents, that all men are created equal. Uh, and so I just think that, what we need to do is like embrace the value of our history rather than creating and I and I think fomenting ignorance. Like so when you remove that Jefferson statue, you remove that chance for that child to walk in front of it 
and to see it and have that conversation with their parents about what it means. I, I, I just think these things have value. And the more we try and like, like, oh my gosh, like Jefferson was a sinner, was, was basically the underlying component here by, be, by virtue of his being a slave owner. And, and, and his sexual exploitation of, of Sally Hemings. Sure. So, so who was, who I believe was 14 at the time. And so what do we do? Do we destroy him on the basis of all of that? Or do we figure out, okay, look, it's a mixed bag, but man, you know, God used that guy in some very important ways um, to help create like the, again, the greatest experiment in democratic governance that's ever existed. So I, I, I think we agree. It's just like, right when I think you're going to come to the same conclusion, I am like, you, you veer left um, or right, <laughs> I, I don't know, some other direction. Um, I, I, I think we should talk about the principles upon which the United States was founded. As a matter of fact, from everyone from Frederick Douglass, uh, you know, Dr. King, yep. um, even, you know, Dr. King's last, his final speech was live up to what you said on paper. Right. That's literally what he said. And then you even read the documents of the Black Panther Party. Do you know that they have, I believe it's the preamble or the, or the Declaration of Independence is in their 10-point platform? Basically, they're saying, live up to what you said on paper. Yes. And we wouldn't have these issues. You know, so, and of course, they were big believers in the Second Amendment. So, you know, I, I think we should absolutely be devoted to our principles. And the other thing that I would ask is, Trump was wrong because Trump was saying, look, you know, uh, don't tear down uh, monuments to the Confederacy, which is antithetical to the United States. <laughs> like that, that they were trying to split apart the United States, you know, but don't tear down those, you know, because, you know, where does it stop? So don't even think about changing those names, which actually fought a bloody war against the United States. I don't know of any other country in the world that venerates people who fought a war against it, you know, and, and not even a just war, you know, not even over a just subject. It's not even like, okay, the Native Americans fighting for their sovereignty and we killed them, so maybe we'll honor them. Like this was an unjust war for unjust reasons. And yet we, you know, Trump and others are like, ah, just leave it alone, venerate it. Let's, let's praise it. Let's laud it. And I think that that's really problematic, you know, and not only that, we put it over our, those names over our military installations within the United States, our mm -hmm. military bases mm -hmm. are named after, and even VDH, you know, agreed that, you know, maybe we should change those names. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there are places we should never forget, you know, the Confederacy. Um, we should never stop talking about any of these people. I think the place for them is in a museum where you can add context to it. It's not just when you, there's a difference between a statue and a monument. I think a monument means this is what we want to live up to. And when you have a Confederate statue, what exactly are you lauding? What exactly are you praising? Mm -hmm. And so there were people who wanted to remove that. And then, of course, you know, I think the moral outrage, you know, starts going 
to the point where like you like I think the right has a very good point. You know, it's going to come for Dr. King, it's going to come for Gandhi, it's going to come for, you know, Gandhi was a racist, that's a fact. Uh and and he, you know, did some other things that, you know, I won't even say. Um you know, Dr. King was certainly a womanizer. Uh he allegedly plagiarized his dissertation who cares? You know, personally, I don't well, care. I wrote words, one. I still don't care. The point you're making, though, is that people are all a mixed bag. And so right. if we want to be taken down by the lowest moments of our lives, you know, bad actors can do that to you for right. sure. Uh, and I just think it's worth recognizing the good. You know, you know, there's this trend. You know, Canada's been doing it for a while, but we're seeing it in sort of left wing institutions in the United States now where you do. Have you seen these things where people do land acknowledgments as they begin an event? Are you familiar with this? Yes. Uh, of indigenous people. Yeah, so they, they yeah. Like go back and they mention like every tribe that's ever existed on this land prior to us being here. And like what's not bi- like like uh, built in implicitly is like a lot of these tribes like conquered each other like in rapid in like in succession. And so what you're doing is like you're acknowledging like each person that conquered this land over time. And it's like, OK, fine. But like at what point is like like the guilt of the fact that you live in this spot or that you're holding a conference in this spot. Like do we really have to go through these motions all the time. Like, is that, is that the so, most essential thing? Like in what way are you guilty for attending a conference? So I've, I've uh, been around when there have been land acknowledgements and I, I don't know how long they are in other places, but usually they're pretty quick. It's like, you know, let's take a second to acknowledge, you know, this indigenous group, Mm-hmm. that was here and it was their land initially and a lot of them particularly on the east coast they were removed by the by the trail of tears which is a shameful part of our history you know at a point when we should have known better so yeah i i i get that um you know but i mean it's not an inconvenience i don't, I I don't know that's point, that's my thing it's not I guess like my point movie. is it's, it's not really doing anybody any good it's just like a performative virtue signaling like yes. And like, like, hey, like we need to acknowledge this. Also, can I just make one other point about indigenous people? Like nobody's- act- like, <laughs> I'm scared. Like, I know you're scared. You're yeah. probably gonna disagree. Like, but uh-oh. but nobody's actually indigenous to anywhere. Okay. Let me, just, I- let, me, let me just like state that up front. Like the whole like concept, it's like, oh, well, there's always their land. Like what, for what? Like, that's not true. Nobody's indigenous to anywhere. I mean, even Adam and Eve were deported. Like, like th- that's, where, that's where it all starts. Mm-hmm. So like- it depends on actually where you start the clock. And that, okay, well, they're indigenous from that moment on. Yeah, I, I don't know about that. I, I think, you know. Isn't it true? Your, your ancestors true. are indigenous to Europe and mine aren't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it depends on where you start the clock. Because you know, honestly, our ancestors, Jason, you and I. All from Africa, yes. They're all from the same spot. Like if you want to take yeah. the clock far back enough. So I just... Anyway, it just seems very performative to me. Well, so I, I just want to make one point. Um, and it's not really to, you know, pat myself on the back or anything. But I'll, I'll just tell you this. Like, you know, it is the, the Thanksgiving holiday. And a lot of people are like, oh, Indigenous People's Day. And this, that. And, and I get it. I <laughs> Which get I it. thought that was Columbus Day. That Jeez. is Columbus Day. I'm sorry. I, I apologize. But a lot of, I think the acknowledgement of, the Thanksgiving myth is mm-hmm. important, I, you know, and I think what you said in our last show, when you were like, uh, that we need to just use this day as a way of giving thanks. It's not about 
stapling like the Indian feather, you know, <laughs> the 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 cardboard, you know, or not cardboard, it was like construction paper Indian uh-huh. thing yeah. and, and the pilgrim hat. It's not about that. It's not about that, you know, situation or that, you know, myth that was created, you know, from what is it, 1622 or whatever. Um, we need to recognize that that is a myth. We need to stop teaching our children that. And that is one of the things why people are like, let's teach people the true history of the United States. Did you Not wait. the mythologized version, because that's a bull crap myth. Did you now, see? I'm sorry, I'll let you finish. No, let, I'll just say this real quick. Okay. Um, there are a lot of people on the left, because I'm about to criticize the left. So you should be pretty happy about it. Okay. That. All right, fine. <laughs> you know, you're like, proceed. Yeah. Um, a lot of people on the left, I know, like to do the performative thing and tweet and uh, indigenous this and that. <laughs> what I would say to all of you is consider on this day or, you know, yesterday or today, um, maybe giving to some Native American causes. You know, put your money where your mouth is. Put your money where your Twitter fingers are. You know, like... Instead of just saying, you know, while I acknowledge the indigenous land I'm standing on, how about you give to some indigenous lands that still need your help to this very day? Um, There are, you know, there is the uh, American Indian College Fund. uh, There's COPE, which is, you know, community outreach and and patient empowerment. They have a relationship with the Navajo Nation and and bettering health. Uh, Those are two of my favorites. Over this period, instead of you really are virtue signaling, the right is correct that you're virtue signaling. If you can't put, you know, 10 bucks, you know, in, in, you know, some uh, cause that is going to help indigenous people. And all you are is running your mouth and talking about statues and and all Mm -hmm. this stuff that doesn't really matter. The other thing I would say to the right, all the people, when we talked about names like, you know, the Redskins, the Braves, the Indians, whatever, you know, what the one defense that I heard, I don't know if you heard this Vince, yeah. but the one defense of all of that, that I would often hear is I'm one sixteenth Cherokee. Everybody's Cherokee, by the way, there's no other, you know, there's never another like indigenous group. Everybody's like part Cherokee. Everybody's grandmother was Cherokee. Everybody's great grandmother was Cherokee. <laughs> um, and my thing is, if you are that, if you're going to sit there and be like, and I'm not offended by, you know, by the, uh, you know, the name, the Redskins, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I want to sound like Donald Trump, be like, they don't look like Indians to me. <laughs> you know? But if that's the case, why don't you give to causes that will help Native Americans? There, there are organizations out there that help a lot of missing and murdered in indigenous women, which is a real problem in the United States. You know, trafficking, murder of, and, and missing indigenous women, that's a real problem. So all of the people on both sides of this argument love to throw words around. Why don't you throw your resources around and help some of the indigenous organizations, particularly on these days that you love to do it the most where you can forget about them 364 other days, or 363, if we say Columbus Day and, um, you know, and uh, Thanksgiving, Mm -hmm. that you don't think about Native Americans, maybe those days can be days where you actually put some resources toward those communities. All right, rant over. That's all right. Uh, Did you see that the uh, 
<laughs> the women's march apologized because their average donation was fourteen dollars and ninety two cents. Yeah, I saw that, and, and they tweeted it out, and then they were like, "Oh, that I'm so hilarious. sorry. I'm sorry that we tweeted this. We didn't realize it." They said, "This is a real quote. It was an oversight on our part to not make the connection to a year of colonization." conquest and genocide for indigenous people, especially before <laughs> Thanksgiving. They they do apologize for sharing their average donation was $14.92, that, that was hilarious. I'm not even on front. That, <laughs> like, I had to laugh at that. Like, that's, that's funny. You know what I mean? Like, if the right wants to make funny jokes, that's a funny one right there. You uh, know? Um, <laughs> and it is funny that it came out to $14.92. That is like... Oh, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's, it's like you can't script it better than that. It's actually unbelievable. Um, all right, let's see what we got here. All right, let's let's finish with this one. This is a uh, now. This shouldn't be funny normally with the word rape in the headline, but yeah, I'm going to stipulate. <laughs> okay. This is a rape suspect who was confronted by police. The, the the police officer's got a body camera on, and the rape suspect tries to escape. Take a look at the way he attempts to escape this situation. Don't, don't tense up, man. Don't, don't tense yeah, up, I, man. I, where are you going? Uh, Settle that, mug. I'm, I'm, where are you going? Uh, where are you going? Uh, where are you going? Uh, okay, so uh, <laughs> that dude just, just pancake jumped right into a window. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to go through a window, you really got to commit. And uh, he, I guess it was just, he, he just gave it half intensity and you can't do that. Yeah, no, you, you got to go all in. Um, I think he had watched a lot of movies. And to be honest, I don't know what floor he was on, but he's lucky he didn't go through that window. Big time. You know what I mean? Just go to jail, fight, you know, fight it in trial, you know, fight it in trial. There's, there's no reason. This is the thing to everybody out there. Like if you committed a crime or you are accused of committing a crime, <laughs> yo, you might as well just go to court and fight it. Like don't, don't speed off and try to go into a Dude, high speed cave. This uh, guy case. was on this guy, according to a local Fox affiliate, he was on the sixth floor of a, an Ohio hotel. What does he think is going to happen when he smashes through the glass? Like your choices are be arrested or leap through a plate glass window to your death <laughs> six floors down and you chose i'm gonna smash through the window like the, the funny thing was when he didn't go through he was kind of like all right <laughs> you know, all right well don't have any other options um, here's the headline this one i think this is the first way i experienced this was just seeing a headline like this fox 29 reporting police rape suspect bounces off window in attempt to flee officers <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean i guess he thought he was jason Bourne or something like that but uh it doesn't work like that in real life oh know? i'm glad like, they got there though man this is this story says a front desk attendant at the hotel called the cops when she noticed that the man was with a woman who looked unwell she told investigators she man managed to discreetly ask the woman if she was okay the victim used body language to indicate she was not okay uh, authorities later took her to a hospital um, and, uh, this guy was a 20 year old suspect charged with rape, kidnapping and felony assault, uh, Good but God. tried to escape by uh, cartoon smashing into a window, like the Wiley coyote. Maybe it would have been okay if he did go through the window. Yeah. I know no. you read stories like this and you're <laughs> yeah. like, hmm, 
I don't know how yeah. I feel about this. We got to waste taxpayer dollars on this scumbag. Yeah. Well, you know, let, let me just, did you by any chance, and I'm surprised we don't have a video about this this week, but did you see the whole thing with LeBron um, getting the, getting the couple kicked out of the game? Get out I did. Of the court side. I did. What did, what did you think of that? I had different thoughts about it until I saw you tweet about it. This is why you should like information. This, this, yeah. this is why you should get information first, <laughs> but like, so first of all, I, I think LeBron's a jerk just in general. So I kind of, my bias on him is like already built in. So I see him walk up and he like dismisses some couple that's sitting courtside, points them out, you know, says the F bomb to the ref about them. And then they, some attendant comes makes them get up and leave the, uh, the stadium. I'm like, okay. Like whatever, whatever they're yelling, it's like, have you ever been to a professional game? Like any, like any professional game anywhere where you can sit close enough to the athletes, people yell all sorts of dumb crap at athletes right. when they're sitting at the floor of these which, games, which is why I knew it had to be something really bad. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? so like, you kind of think like, God, like get thicker skin, man. Like you, how long have you been in the NBA? People are screaming stuff at you and you like freak out on them. Now, the specific thing they were yelling, I don't know. I don't know if I'd be able to control myself. They were saying, based on what I saw you tweet, I'll let you tell it. I, yeah. I, I, saw, I saw your tweet about it. So they, they were, you know, tweeting, uh, excuse me, tweeting. They were actually um, talking about his son, Bronny. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they said that they hope he dies in a car crash. Um, one guy kept saying, Bronny's a, you know, a B-I-T-C-H. Um, you know, I, I, I think that that's just a little over the line. Um, these are, you know, just like when people got offended. And I, I didn't think it was that big a deal. I remember, and, and you may remember this, when um, somebody was, I think they were giving congressional testimony and they said, you know, he wants that Donald Trump wants to make Baron Trump an actual Baron. Mm -hmm. and the right exploded they were like oh my god you can't bring up his family um not remembering how bad chelsea clinton got treated oh my god like <laughs> every five seconds it was looking you at don't want to be you don't want to be <laughs> like in the braces age while you're in the white house oh god it was so bad like i felt terrible for chelsea clinton i don't anymore but at the time I felt terrible for you her. You don't want to grow up on camera. You don't want to do puberty on camera. That's like. Yeah. I mean, but Baron, I think, has been treated relatively well. He got, he, he did yeah, okay. Pretty, pretty well. You know? I think. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I, and that comment wasn't about his character or hoping death, you know, wishing death upon him or anything. The only bad thing I would say that Baron went through was hearing people, what people said about his father. And, but he also read what his father said about other people. So, like, I think he, he ended up okay. I think people have learned that you don't target children that way. Mm -hmm. And for what he was saying, what they were saying about, you know, LeBron's, you know, son. And LeBron, come on. We know LeBron is the best basketball player. Currently. Aside maybe from <laughs> Michael Jordan that we've seen in our lifetime. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. I've seen some great ones. You know, maybe you can perhaps put Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And if Kareem Abdul-Jabbar isn't in your top five, you don't know sports or certainly not basketball. But, you know. Is Kobe up there? Kobe's not top five. No. I, I would argue, and this is going to get me in real trouble. <laughs> I'm not sure Kobe's in the top 
five. He's certainly not in the top three Lakers of all time. Because you got you got Magic, you got Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you got LeBron, you got Wilt Chamberlain. <laughs> you know what I mean, you got some really good Lakers in there. True. You know, uh, even though Wilt Chamberlain sucked when he played for the Lakers, but when he played for other teams, he was amazing. So if you if you count all that, uh, I would put Kobe at five, and you know that's him beating that's out just the Lakers. logo. That's Lakers yeah. only. That's just Lakers. But at any rate. I think LeBron, we know, has performed at a high level, and there are lots of people, especially if they read the Daily Caller, they hate <laughs> LeBron, right? Well, don't They're- suck up to uh, to China, and that wouldn't be a problem. Like, you know, it's funny. The I mean, LeBron- I don't know that he sucked up to China. Like, oh, he, what, come on, man. Don't what? defend him on that. That's come on. No, that was I like mean- that was outrageous what he did to Daryl Morey. And like that was so stupid and he shouldn't have opened his mouth, but he did. Yeah, he should have, he should have kept quiet. I, I will, I will admit that like, particularly if, if you're going to admit that you don't really know a whole lot about a situation, just don't say anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, but let me ask you something se- separate. So I, I, you know, I, I have mixed feelings about LeBron asking that couple to leave. I'm sure people yell all sorts of dumb crap, but um, did you see him hit Isaiah Stewart in the face this past week? The, I the, did. The I did. Game. Mm-hmm. Do you believe that this was an accident on the part of LeBron James or did he take a shot? I think it was an accident. And the reason I, I think that um, is because, first of all, LeBron was going over to apologize to him uh, when Daryl Morey was, was I'm not Daryl Morey, I'm sorry. Isaiah Stewart. Isaiah Stewart mm-hmm. uh, was ready to put hands on him, which is understandable. <laughs> you know, I'm not mad at and yeah, I he was, he was bleeding more than I've seen most boxers bleed. Yeah, no, I, I was I was okay with him like being upset about that. Um, <laughs> pretty I, I funny. Think, pretty funny when he tried to run around the stadium to get back into the other side. That was <laughs> yeah. one of the most. That was like the most madcap thing I've seen in a long time. Right. I mean, um, but I do think uh, it was a it was an error, and the reason I say that is because LeBron doesn't have a history of being dirty or of like trying to fight guys or, you know, that's, that's just not LeBron, the way he plays the game. He plays the game, the way the game is supposed to be played. Um, and, you know, I, I know people hate him, even though he opened a school for underprivileged children, <laughs> like he's done all these good that's things. Actually why like, I, I that's, hate LeBron. that's actually why I hate him specifically. Oh, uh, um, because why, he, he, because he opened a school. Yes. That's the worst part about LeBron James, the yeah. underprivileged children he's helped. Yeah. Well, but yeah, no, but of course, all of, all of those good works, based on what we just said about Thomas Jefferson, all the good things he's done get negated by a tweet. <laughs> yeah. Hey, <laughs> you tell me how the right is going down, you know. I'm going to tear Jefferson, down. Yes, Thomas Jefferson held people enslaved. That's right. Yes, he had sex with a 14-year-old girl that was his slave. But, you know, we'll let him slide. But LeBron James sent a really I'm bad tearing tweet down about LeBron China. statue. If when I find LeBron's statue, I'm throwing a rope around it. I'm tearing that thing down. I'll, I'll do it with you because I don't <laughs> think anybody should have a statue. <laughs> so I'm, I'm i'm with you there lebron should not have a statue um but he's done it, a, here's the other thing like i gotta be honest like one of my reasons that uh, i have a bias against lebron clearly the china thing but if i'm being really honest with myself mm-hmm. it's that i don't want to see anybody even come close to dethroning michael jordan that honestly that probably motivates me more than anything it's yeah. like all right like yeah you're fine you're, you're really good you're, you're one of the best that's ever done it you're not the best 
And I refuse yeah. to let him be the best. Like I like, even if he did, even if he won, you know, enough, all, enough championships and you know, everything, I still, I just refuse. I just like, there's something about Jordan's play that just refuses to let me think that someone else could ever be the goat. Yeah. Well, I, I think, um, I think Jordan's pretty much got it locked up. And I think Jordan, uh, when, when we look at Jordan in terms of their character, Jordan's like, Jordan's a terrible person. <laughs> like he's, he's not a good person at all, but <laughs> I hate you know, to say it. He was like, not, I don't hate to say it. I'll admit he was one of my heroes as a kid. He had a, he had a book that came out, um, you know, when he was, he was a star. I was obsessed with him, just like a lot of young boys watching NBA. And uh, he had a book that came out called I Can't Accept Not Trying. And um, I read it. It was like, it was like one of the most motivational things I've ever consumed. It was like, it informed my life. I was like, yeah, baby. Like, just yeah. like never quit, work your ass off. Um and I've always, I've respected that ever since, but you're yes. right. There are things about him that you're like, we, it's one of these things like you don't want to meet your heroes. Yeah. I, I think one of the, one of the worst things you can be um, in today's society is really good with a few flaws rather than really bad with a few good things. I think it's like, for some reason, we don't like as a society to see somebody like LeBron James. And I get it because LeBron James wasn't Michael Jordan who got, you know, cut from varsity as a freshman mm -hmm. and all that. LeBron James was a star child from the very beginning. For sure. He was his, lifted up. His high school games were televised on ESPN. There was right. No so people wanted to see him fail. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then it turns out that he's, he's just as advertised. He's just as good as he was. Right. As advertised. The NBA changed their rules based on LeBron. They basically were like, you can't come out of high school unless you're LeBron James. Then we'll, you know, then we'll make it so that you can't come out of high school. Right. Um, so, like, I think, you know, then he comes out and he's not a womanizer. You know what I mean? He's with his wife. Like, he's a good dad to his kids. He supports the kid that's an athlete and the kid who's not an athlete. You know, like, he's not like Michael Jordan getting caught out, you know, philandering and gambling and doing all those things he takes care of his body he's not out drinking or doing drugs like he is the kind of guy that you want your kid to mm -hmm. be and i think that annoys people well, and on I that, get front, that drugs thing that was a jordan attribute too that was oh yeah no thing. jordan jordan was definitely jordan, jordan remember that he, like you know he talks about it i think he talks, i think he talks about it in the last dance but that like in, when he first joined the Bulls, they were just a bunch of degenerates. It was like there were these guys were like running around doing drugs all the time in hotel rooms, inviting him. And he was like, nope, he would just he was he was a basketball student. He would stay away from it. He would get yeah. good sleep. He'd be out there working all the time. He yeah. just didn't well, want anything to do with that world. Kobe, you know, Kobe's work ethic is legendary. You know what I mean? Now, you know, I'm not going to talk about some other things, but definitely his work ethic was was incredible mm -hmm. and when you look at his mentality i read as a kid i read larry bird's book and i loved larry bird because i wasn't exactly the fastest guy you know larry bird was slow he couldn't jump but the dude's just competitive nature was so incredibly great yeah um and that's what made him just such a freaking animal yep on the basketball court yep um, it's the guys who work hard man and yeah and the, the and their leaders and they're kind of a lot of them are just quiet. They're not they're not flashy at all. Yeah. Um. 
in the NFL, there's guys like, uh, remember John Lynch was, yeah. was like this, like hardcore deep safety, just a defensive star. One of the hardest workers, not flashy at all. Um, I talked mentioned before, I think on a previous show, Larry Fitzgerald, just like yeah. working his ass off. One of the best receivers, just, I mean, it's just such a talented guy. And anyway, so these are guys I think you and I respect. It's just like hard workers who earn it, you know, like none of, none of, I mean, a lot, these guys are gifted, but like, it's not just given to them, yeah, right? Yeah. Like they, they're working for it. And let me just say this. Uh, one place that will work hard for your money is Gold Coast. So yeah, we also want to remind you that this podcast is brought to you by Gold Coast. Yeah, I'm, I'm you know, obviously I'm a LeBron fan um, because I see his work ethic. I see how he makes time for his family and his kids. Goes to all of a sudden. The family point, game. the point you're making about family right now is like scary, compelling. I'm like, I'm, I'm very tempted by it. Yeah, like, it's, I don't like, I literally don't understand why people hate LeBron. <laughs> like, yes, he doesn't have it right on China. But again, going back to what we said about George Washington or uh, Thomas Jefferson, and they had it wrong on much worse things than. You know, even even then what LeBron has it wrong on, I would argue, you know, because they were actively involved in it. You know, LeBron doesn't do anything in China except make money, you know, but he doesn't he's not there hurting the Uyghurs or other people. Um, and he know. does and he does a lot for our country. I mean, honestly, I'd be careful with like his involvement with the Uyghur stuff, though, too, because it's. Like he's a massive it's indirect benefit, at best, but he's a massive beneficiary of the exploit of the exploitation of slave labor in China, for sure. I mean, the guy's a billionaire on the strength of um, the endorsement deals he has with Nike, which has constantly has products exposed to slave labor in its product line. Reportedly. Yeah, but I mean, even even Ennis Ennis Cantor. Yeah. You know, they're all getting money from Nike one way or another. You know what I mean? They're all wearing Nike gear because Nike has a relationship with the NBA. I mean, excuse me. Uh, yeah, Nike has a relationship with the NBA. Nike has a relationship with China. Sure, sure. So everybody, sure. you know, if you want to make indirect connections, no, that's true. But I mean, but but Inez Cantor doesn't have an endorsement, as far as I know, a specific endorsement deal with Nike. LeBron yeah. does. LeBron's yeah, um, an institution. I mean, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and. You like Jordan, but Jordan's the person who created the relationship. Totally, totally. And Jordan's like, still, Jordan also a massive beneficiary of this. You're totally right. Yeah, I mean. so like, I don't understand the specific hate for, for LeBron James. <laughs> Maybe somebody can explain this. Maybe our, our next show, yeah. we need to bring on Hookstead or, or somebody okay. who can explain the specific hate for LeBron James when- He's also LeBron a flopper. He's also, he likes to flop. That's been a big problem in his career. Like the the phony, you know, collapsing to the ground. Oh, I got hit. I mean, it's like like well, ten feet away from him. You know what's funny about that is I would say LeBron to me is the basketball version of a soccer Obviously, player. This this person is isn't isn't quite as good, but he's the basketball version of Cam Newton. And the reason I say that I'm a big Cam Newton fan too, but the reason I say that is because Cam Newton, you know, would even when he was in the pocket because he was so big and strong and, mm -hmm. you know, could run over, you know, defensive ends, he never got the calls. LeBron James does not get the kind of calls that a superstar of his caliber should get. You know what I mean? And, and I think 
So that's why he exaggerates because it's like he doesn't get superstar calls because people are like, look at how big you are. You play bully ball. You, you know, you back guys down into the, you know, into the paint. So they don't give him the calls that Jordan would have gotten. And I'll tell you, we had, when I was in a basketball camp as a kid, yeah, they had uh, Jordan come in, right? At your and, camp? Oh, I'm sorry, not Jordan. <laughs> they had a, a ref come in to talk about, you know, the NBA. I'm oh, sorry, it was okay. an NBA ref. Was it wasn't that's, Jordan. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I had Christian Leitner. Christian Leitner came in. You know who I had? I, I, I'll just say real quick. I went to John Stark's uh, basketball camp. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I got to meet John Starks. He signed my little like uh, my like our, our pennies were reversible, so uh, we could switch teams. And uh, he signed mine. I still got it somewhere. Oh, I love John Starks. The guy <laughs> was an incredible dead eye three point shooter. Yeah, I mean he was real streaky, but you know when he would when he was on that time yeah. he um, he did he dunk over Pippen? I can't remember where he dunked over, and he would draw draw charges and point to his heart. Love that, <laughs> but. Um, Sorry, but you were at camp and you were talking to right. I was at camp and this NBA ref came in and they said the first uh, rule that you learn in NBA ref school is don't call fouls on Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. And the point is because the fans, he's like the fans pay to see Michael Jordan on the floor, not sitting true. On, on the bench in the third quarter because he got true. four fouls. Well, this is why, remember, there's that video of Charles Barkley going up to a ref and be like, I know he's Michael Jordan, but come on. He's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah no, nah, I mean, it, it, it makes total sense. Um, and I, you know, I just. And, and Jordan, I mean, so while we're on the subject, you know, he was like, he was famous for the, the basically illegal use of his hands during games. I mean, yeah. he was redirecting people's hips by dribbling with his, with his hand away from the, his away hand and then holding them with the hand that's like close to their hips and then literally moving them to the left while he moves right. Like you're not allowed to handle people like that. And he's got those big, you know, basketball palming hands. Yeah. Just imagine what he's doing to human beings at the same time. And he'd get away with it all the time. The the other thing I'll say, just one last thing for LeBron James. <laughs> um, number one, the kind of teammate he is. If you watched the last dance and you saw the kind of teammate that Jordan was, I don't think anybody wanted to play with Jordan because he was like, other than winning, you get to win. But, you know, Jordan was somebody who on the floor, even with opponents and with his teammates, he played mind games. Like he was trying to get into your head. Um, And LeBron, from what I've read and heard and all that, like LeBron's not the biggest trash talker. Larry Bird was a big trash talker. You know, Jordan was a trash talker, big time. And all the people were like, I don't like these cocky players who do this and this and that. (laughs) You know, LeBron just plays the game really well. You know what I mean? And people, for some reason, you know, I will never understand it. The stuff they say they want from athletes is everything LeBron gives. Excellence. He's incredibly, you know, gracious, Mm -hmm. usually to fans, as long as you're gracious, as long as you're gracious to him. You know, like you don't talk about killing his kids. Yeah, you know, good or point. His kids dying, like well, he's gracious. 
Like, I don't understand what the hate for LeBron James is. Well, uh, here, here's the, on the, on the next episode of Vincent Jason Save the Nation, I think we should give uh, the fans something important to see, which is the shrine that Jason has built to LeBron James. Of his own <laughs> yeah, we're going to take this morning. We're going to take a video tour. There's no statue, by the way, because Jason's opposed to statues, but the, but everything else is there. <laughs> uh, there's a lock of his hair. It's, it's right. an incredible thing. So we're going to be able there to. There isn't much it. left. So I got like the last lock of his hair. And, um, <laughs> You know, and it was brought to you by China, by the way. I'm kidding. (laughs) All right, Jason Nichols, I I think this is a good point for us to jump out. Uh, Thank you. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving week and look forward to chatting with you next week. Absolutely. We love you all. Give thanks. Be grateful. Peace out.